Do you find yourself too often letting the opinions of others limit your beliefs and your own abilities? Are self-doubt, imposter syndrome, and lack of confidence causing roadblocks on your path to success? Don't worry. It happens to the best of us. But with a few conscious adjustments, these feelings don't have to hold you back if you just learn how to believe in yourself no matter what. In this episode, our guest Wally Green grew up in an abusive home surrounded by gangs and guns. Despite the turmoil in his life, he found solace in sports, which numbed him to the pain of his home life. One day, while passing through the school lunchroom, Wally saw kids playing ping pong and ridiculed them. But when he stumbled upon a pool hall and saw people who looked like him playing the game, he decided to give it a try. He discovered his talent for the sport and set out to prove himself, despite what his stepfather had told him. With his passion, drive, and never-say-die attitude, he has gone on to great success in the world of ping pong and the belief that anything is possible. Wally Green, celebrity pro athlete from Brooklyn, overcame poverty and violence to become a world-class athlete. He represented the U.S. in international competitions, including a historic trip to North Korea, and co-founded the premier social ping-pong club called SPIN. Wally's determination, spirit, and perseverance make him a true inspiration and a role model for anyone facing adversity. He proves that with hard work, dedication, and a positive attitude, anything is possible. I'm Bob Wheeler, and this is Money You Should Ask, where we explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. Wally, man, it's so exciting to have you on the show. I'm super excited to have you here. Appreciate it. Great to be here, bro. For people that are listening, we met at PodFest, which is this amazing festival, conference, party, whatever you want to call it, down in Orlando. And I got the privilege of hearing you speak at the closing of the conference. And man, the audience was like impacted. They didn't know whether they should cry, run, but they knew they needed to listen. And uh, <laughs> like, you know, you shared a story that's like, you had to make some really pivotal choices, right? That changed the trajectory of your life, really. I'm wondering, just for people that don't know, you play table tennis, ping pong professionally. How did you first get involved in that? And what inspired you to pursue it as a career? Ping pong? Oh, man, it's, it's actually <laughs> crazy. <laughs> because I actually hated ping pong. You know, I, I, I hated the sport. I grew up in the projects. You know, I had a very abusive uh, stepfather who told me everything from I'll be dead or in jail to I'll never amount to anything. Used to beat up my mom, used to beat me up as well. Because of that, I turned into gangs, guns. At a very early age, by 13, I already owned six guns. I was already gangbanging hard. Yeah. But the other side of me was sports. Sports is what kind of numbed me to all the pain that was going on at home. So if I played a lot of sports, you know, I practice in the morning, go to school during the day, in the evening practice again. By the time I got home, I would be exhausted and kind of numb to the abuse that was going on. Um, they had ping pong in my high school, actually. And at that time, you know, I played every other sport. I played football, basketball, tennis, volleyball, because all the hot girls played volleyball. That was the only reason I joined the team. And I became MVP at that, by the way. But I joined it mainly because it was hot girls playing volleyball. Good reason. And when I would play football, our football field was right next to the lunchroom. So where the lunchroom was situated at the school, the football field was right next to it. 
So we would go out the lunchroom to get to the field. And as I would pass through the lunchroom, I would see kids playing ping pong. And I would just make fun of them. Like, look at these kids with their short shorts and a stick. Like, it was just a funny sport. So I hated this sport. Um, But to make a long story short, I found ping pong at a pool hall. I went to a pool hall to shoot pool. Thought I was good, was not. Got hustled for some money. Got really upset. Took the pool stick. Slammed it on the pool table. The pool stick shattered. And I got really upset that my pool stick shattered. And I was the kind of kid that would blame everyone else for what was going on in my life. So I saw some kids playing ping pong who were standing a few feet away from me playing ping pong at, at these like three ping pong tables in the pool hall. And I went up to them and says, hey, I want to get a hit. And they were like, oh, you play? I was like, no, I don't play this. Just give me the paddle. And my goal of taking the paddle from him was to hit him in the face with the ball when he hit it to me. Right. right. So the kid hits the ball to me and I go and I swing at it wildly, trying to smash him in the face with the ball. But the ball goes on the table. And when the ball goes on the table, he goes, oh, my God, that's a great shot tells me about a club and I'm like, there's no way there's a club where people play this. I think it's impossible. I go down to the club, right? Because the athlete in me says, maybe there is a ping pong club where people get together. I don't know. Let's, let's go check it out. Right. So when I got to the club, I noticed that there were people playing and they were standing back from the table and going, wow, the ball was spinning. They were sweating and, and making all these crazy shots. But the most important thing for me was that there were people that looked like me playing. Mm. So black people were playing ping pong. And I was like, wait a minute, black people <laughs> play ping pong? Like, no way black people. I only thought Asians play ping pong. Like, for real. <laughs> yes. I did, black people don't, don't play ping pong. In the projects where I live, nobody play ping pong, right? So that was the first step into me actually being interested in the sport because I saw people like me playing it. And I was yep. like, whoa, well, if they're playing it, then maybe I could play too. And that's how I started. Wow. That's amazing. And I mean, you talk about growing up in basically, yeah, the projects, the place where people are struggling on a daily basis. I mean, I can only imagine the challenges besides just in your house with the abuse that's going on in the community, right? It's underserved. There's probably not access to malls and stuff. And you go into the gang life. What were some of the other challenges? I mean, I don't think people understand how like rough it can get. Yeah. You know what it is? I get a lot of people sometimes who don't really know if you don't know anyone who grew up in that life or you never lived that life, it's really hard to understand how a 13-year-old could have guns. How, how does a 13-year-old get six guns? Well, it's very easy. It's not difficult. Really, it's not difficult. It's just money. That, it's, that, that's pretty much it. And if you have the money, you have the guns. It's, it's not difficult. Yeah. But a lot of people will say, oh, you know what? You have a choice. And I hate this. I really hate when people say, oh, you have a choice. You, you could have chose to not be in the gang. Okay, not be in the gang, do what? Get beat up by the gangs every day? Get killed by the gangs because I'm not part of them? I got to live there, right? I have, I have to actually live there. It's not like I have the money to say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to get out the projects and go to where the gangs are not. No, it doesn't right. work like that. Like, if you live there, you're going to be a part of it, right? There's no way you're not going to be a part of it because especially where I live, there's more than one gang, right? It's not just one, right? So if there's, let's say there's three, right? You need to join one because if you don't join one, then you're getting beat up by all three, right? So right. you need some protection from someone. And in my case, I didn't have that parental love or guidance, as you say. Yeah. And even if I did, it wouldn't really matter because it's not like I'm going to stay in the house all day. I have to leave. I have to go out to go to school. Right. And so a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you have a choice, but you really don't have a choice. 
right? You right. only know what you know until someone shows you different. And how does that history, the poverty, the gangs and all that, how does that play into choices you make today or setting future goals? I mean, is there stuff that comes in and you're like, oh yeah, there's that or that's behind me? Like, I don't know that it ever leaves you, but it's, it's part of you. Well, you know what it is? That part of my life, it doesn't just disappear, right? It doesn't disappear. Right. It's always in you, but as an adult and as someone who's changed their life, you learn to control. You learn to be in control. You learn to control it. But a lot of times I get asked, would I ever go back and change that part of my life? And the answer is no, because things that I learned when I was in gangs are things that I can never learn in school. Things that, and, right. and we're talking about stuff like being aware of your surroundings. I'm aware of my surroundings all the time. I know who's in front of me. I know who's in back of me. I know who's in the side of me. And you hear these things about being at the wrong place at the wrong time. A lot of times when people are at the wrong place at the wrong times because they didn't recognize that they were at the wrong place at the wrong time. They didn't recognize or they didn't right. pick up on what was going on, right? So they walk into that place blindly, right? I'm always aware of these things. And um, that life, it transfers over into adult life into where yeah. you make decisions, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it just so many different things, man, that come to mind about that life. So I would never change it because that's what made me, right? That's what made me the competitor I am. That's what made me the person that with the never say die attitude, right? Never say right. die, right? So that life is who made me today. So that's the reason why I would never change it. Absolutely. How does money play a role in your life choices today? Like, is that the driving factor or is there a, like, I know for myself, it was always a fear of like, I have no safety net. Like my parents were poor, so ain't nobody going to save me. So I, I was very driven and I'm curious how money plays in your life decisions. Man, um, <laughs> of course it's extremely important, right? With money, we have to make very important decisions. What are we going to do without money? First, we got to make the money right? And now we make the money, then what do we do with the money we make? Are we going to invest it? Are we going to spend it? What are we going to do? And I think like, for me, I didn't learn this until late because I didn't have money growing up, right? I had no money growing up and I didn't learn right. until late through meeting people who were business owners or were people that were big in that whole money world, you know, about investing, right? I didn't start investing until I want to say like five years ago, four years ago, I didn't even know what that was, but now I'm all about it. I'm all about trying to take the money that I have and make more from that money. And usually for me, I just like investing in weird stuff. That's what it is. So I like <laughs> cryptocurrency, with the cryptocurrency thing, and uh, I have a friend who you might know him. His name is James Altucher, a very close friend okay. of mine, and he's really big into that. And his girlfriend was like, yo, you should invest some cryptocurrency. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. You know, like Bitcoin stuff. I was like, all right, let's do it. And then I'd invest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think more importantly is the savings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know really a lot about the money in terms of that way. Yeah. But I do know that you need to prepare for the end game. I call it the end game. Like what's your end yeah. game? And you have to make sure that you're not like freaking 80 and working in McDonald's. Not that that's bad, but that's not right. what I want to do right? Yeah, absolutely. And do you have a fear of like, it might all go away and I might have to go back to that 
life of not having that much. I know for me, it still creeps in. I'm like, could you go away? Like life is good. The facts say I'm doing okay. But inside I'm like, oh my God, it could all leave tomorrow. Right. So you know what? I'll tell you something I've never told anyone. It's exclusive on your podcast. I've never mentioned this. (laughs) Out of all the podcasts I've been on, I've never, ever, ever mentioned this in my life because it never had to come up. But my biggest fear in life is to be homeless. It is the thing that is my number one fear to be homeless. And I think because it is my number one fear, because I've been homeless. I've been one year living in the street, right? So I know what it is. And it's my biggest fear. And I think because it is my biggest fear that that situation is almost impossible because I believe very much in manifestation and in passion. And I'm so passionate that I am not going to be homeless, that I would do everything it takes to make sure that doesn't happen. So I'm just very driven to use what I have to make money so that I don't end up like that. Because that, like when I see people homeless, I'm telling you, it does something to me because I, I've lived it before. And then a lot of people, they just walk right by and a lot of times they don't want to help and they think they're on drugs, but a lot of times it's not the case. You know, a lot of times there's just some issues with family and they got nowhere to go and they yeah. really need help. So, wow. I'm curious because you seem so open and so aware and you had a lot of obstacles and a person of color living in the projects, everything against you. And you feel so resilient, right? It feels like unstoppable is sort of the energy that I get. And I'm wondering, did you cultivate that? Was that something you were just born with this spark that said, Uh, F it, I'm freaking gonna come out on top regardless of where I've started. I'll tell you where that energy comes from. As I mentioned before, every single day as a kid from, I don't know, as early as I can remember to about 16 to when I left my house was my stepfather systematically abusing and breaking, trying to break myself and my mom down. So my stepfather would tell me every single day, you're a failure. You're worthless. Why are you here? You're not my child. You should be dead or in jail. This is what I heard every day. Every day, at least one of those things I heard. And the thing was, when he did this, he didn't do this out of anger. Most parents, they might say, oh, you should be dead or in jail because they're angry at you. And then later they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just angry, right? He would systematically do this, like call me into the room and say, hey, how was school today? Oh, school is good. Well, you know, it doesn't matter what you do because you're never going to be successful anyway, right? Wow. So it's very different when it comes from a place where it's not anger, right? It's a way that he is trying to groom you to believe that these things were true. Right. So there's no one that I hated more in the world than my stepfather. There's no person that I hated. So I don't ever want anything in my life to happen that he said. So whenever I'm stressed out, whenever I'm in a bad place or whenever I'm failing at something, I just think of the words that he said, because I had to come to peace with this. Mm -hmm. Right. I had to come to peace with it before it used to make me angry. Right. But now I came to peace with it. That's a part of my life. Instead of having that negative energy, I'm going to take that negative energy and make it positive. So whenever I'm having a problem and I can't get through stuff, I just hear his voice. Oh, you're worthless. You'll never be successful. And those things are what drives me every single time I go to the darkness, change it to positivity. And that's what drives me every single time. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Because a lot of people would take it in, but you know, there's nothing better than proving people wrong, <laughs> especially that it. are making irrational, I'm going to take you out. Yeah, <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to take you exactly. out. I'm going to take you out. Man, there are other kids out there that growing up in the projects that have to grow up with all these obstacles. What do you say to kids like that? I mean, yeah, great, survive. But what do you say to those kids that are still trying to find their way? I would say, think of your decisions wisely. Like, I'm never one to tell kids, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Because if right. the person told me who saved my life that paid for me to go to Germany to learn ping pong, if he would have told me, oh, why are you walking around with a gun? The one that he saw fall, I would have never talked to him again. Right? So I never tell kids, don't do this. Don't do that. You shouldn't. I just say, think about what you do. The decisions you make today will affect you tomorrow. So just really think about that. And more importantly, if you have the opportunity to ask someone for help, don't be afraid to ask someone for help. Mm. And even more important than that, if someone offers you help, don't be afraid to take it. Because so many times we feel like, oh, you know, I'm Superman. I don't need your help. Uh, I can do everything myself. But in reality, you really do need the help. But the ego is stopping you from getting that help. Right. So with the guy who offered to pay for me to go to Germany to learn ping pong, I could have said, you're crazy. I'm not going to Germany. What are you right. crazy? I'm not going to leave my hood to go to Germany. I mean, the fact that I even say yes is complete madness because right. no one that I know or no one in my situation like that would be like, yeah, I'm going to Germany. I'm going to leave here the hood. And I'm going to go to Germany. No, no, it doesn't work like that. So if I didn't accept the help I was given, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. So those are yeah. My two very important things for the younger kids. So that's sort of being aware of your surroundings and somebody in front of you saying, here's a path. And you said, yeah, I'll follow that path. I'll take that yes, path. Yes. And that path took you, you eventually went to North Korea. You uh, yeah, North Korea. went as the only Westerner. Like, what were some of the challenges that you faced and what was that like? When I wanted to go to North Korea, I wanted to do something bigger than myself. I wanted to, at this point, I was already a pro. I was well-known around the world. You know, I was doing my thing, right? You know, I bring this hip-hop, gangster, smooth thing to ping pong. And I was doing my thing. And I wanted to do something bigger than myself. And I was looking through the tournaments for the world. And I saw Japan. Yeah, I'll do Japan. Korea, I'll do Korea. Uh, Brazil, I'll do that. Germany, I'll do that. I'm scrolling down. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah okay, I'll do that. Pyongyang. Whoa, wait, what? Pyongyang. Wait, Pyongyang is North Korea. There's no <laughs> way in the world there's a tournament in North Korea. I couldn't even believe it. I just saw Pyongyang. And I was like, oh my God, I need to go to... Immediately, I said, I need to go to North Korea, right? And the reason why is, is that there's a historical moment in American history in 1971. America established relations with China. It's through ping pong. It's called the ping pong diplomacy. So if you ever seen Forrest Gump, You'll see him playing in China. That is that ping pong diplomacy. And okay. more so, when I first started playing, like training for real, for real, outside of Europe, I played with a guy, his name is George Braithwaite, who passed away, very close friend of mine, who was actually on the team, the U.S. team, during the ping pong diplomacy, right? So I felt very passionate about that. And I said, you know what? I want to go to North Korea. I'm, I want to go to this tournament to promote world peace. And I said, I'm going to do it. And so I called up the U.S. team because the U.S. team has to enter you into all the tournaments. You can't enter yourself. And they said, what? Wait, 
that's not a good idea. And I said, I'm not asking if it's a good idea. It's what I want to do. Just, just sign me up and I'll handle everything myself. Then I called or email or text the entire world. I know players from every part of the world, right? And I said, hey guys, I'm going to North Korea to do a diplomacy for world peace. They were like, what? North Korea? I said, yeah, come on. We should all go together as like a world team. The wor- I mean, think about how big that was. How big yeah. it would be if like so many people from the world went to North Korea to do this diplomacy for world peace to sport. Every single person told me no. Every single person said, no, we're not going. It's too dangerous. You're going to be killed. You're going to die. There's no way we're going to go there. And I told him, I says, okay, if you guys don't want to go, then I'll go by myself. Right? Because that's that fight that I have in me. Yeah. When they're telling me, no, you're going to die. You're not going to be successful. Oh, one person, one person can't change the world. One person can't do this. It brings me back to that well. Listen to my stepfather saying, you'll never be successful. You'll be worthless. Right? So I went there by myself. I literally went to North Korea. I was the only Westerner there. Forget about only American, only Westerner. Oh, no one from America wanted to go. They were like, you're crazy. We are not going to North Korea. And so I went and I went by myself. I didn't have a plan, right? I had no plan. Like, how do you do a diplomacy for world peace in North Korea? You're a kid from the projects, born and raised in the projects, right? right? It's something that's almost impossible. Right. It's impossible. But like I said, when I go to that dark space for my stepfather, I can make impossible to possible. Right. As long as I'm passionate about it, as long as I really want it that bad, it's going to happen. So I went there with no plan to North Korea, most dangerous country in the world, no plan of how I was going to do it. And lucky for me, uh, I wouldn't say lucky. I want to say I manifested it. Yeah. And it was completely incredible. That's so cool. That would be a bit scary for me. Uh, that's probably one of the places that I'd be like, uh, let me get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> that would not be an impulse buy. <laughs> that's a little crazy. Well, now you've added professional sports. You've traveled the world. Now you're an entrepreneur. You've got clubs. You've got a spin club. You've got all these things going on. How does that feel? And how does it feel to look back and go, kid from the projects did pretty good. Yeah, let me tell you. See my smile? <laughs> see my smile? And, <laughs> and I don't smile. I don't smile often. But you see my smile. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's really amazing. Seriously. Because yeah. like I said, man, my stepfather used to systematically try to break me down. And you know, some people succumb to that, right? If someone tells you something yeah. a number of times, sometimes you start to believe it. And that becomes your life. Yeah. I just was so happy that I was able to take that negative and turn it to positive and push myself. And, and it feels good, man. It's like, yeah, man, wow. You know, for a young guy, like I've done so much crazy things that don't even make sense. Like the, like <laughs> the things that I've done don't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense. Like if you didn't know me or if this stuff wasn't in the papers, uh, if you couldn't Google search it, you would think this kid's crazy. He's making up some shit. How, right. how did this kid from the projects go to North Korea to do the points of peace, like it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. How did this get founded a company that's actually doing very well with like nine locations? It all doesn't make sense. But um, yeah. so it feels good to me that I was able to come from that and turn it around and change my life. And now I can help other people and I can inspire and use all of that to inspire and motivate other people who was where I was. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask in that pursuit of world peace and inspiring others, like, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, man, I love this question. This, <laughs> that, that, that's, no, 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 seriously, seriously. The legacy question is such an amazing question. I think a lot of people don't give a lot of thought to what legacy means yeah. or what it's really about. And some people might say, yeah, you know, I want to be super famous and blah, blah, blah. That's my legacy. I want to do this. But I will tell you what legacy means to me. Yeah. Legacy means that my kids, 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 kids are going to know who I am. That's legacy for me. They have to know who I am. 10, 20 generations down. The, oh, yeah. Great, 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 great. Grandpa Wally Green was a great <laughs> man. That's legacy for me. Yeah. And that's what I talk about. And I hear the word legacy is the first thing I think about. You want your generations to know about you because if they know they have someone who's motivational and inspirational and did great things, then it just pours on them and then they have to do great things, right? They feel the pressure. Oh, you know what? I I, I got to do great things. I have a great person in my family line. So that's legacy for me. That's awesome. And I do agree. I think a lot of people don't think about it. And for me, legacy is so important, intention and whatever that might be for each person, but wanting to make a mark, wanting to have an impact, wanting to matter. And I think a lot of people are afraid to admit that they want to matter, that they've had impact, that they have lofty goals. But the truth is, like, hopefully we're all trying to make a difference on a certain right. level and trying to be better versions. Right, 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 right. That's awesome. Well, I wish I could be around after grandkid, after grandkid, after grand, like 22 <laughs> generations to hear everybody go, great, 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 Grandpa Wally, man. <laughs> Did he do some shit? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. They'll be doing a Netflix special, you know, 200 years from now. So oh, no, that'll no, be cool. No, 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 <laughs> wait. No, no, no 200 years from now. I just finished. Listen, oh. <laughs> for the last year, I've been talking with a film company, I can't say the name, since my New York Times article came out, hundreds of film companies I've been talking to, and they were all crazy. Like, oh yeah, we want to buy the rights for your life. No, it's not happening. I'm never selling the rights to my life story. For that, I can make the film myself. Right. But finally, after a year of talking to this one particular company, uh, they're going ahead. So there is a feature movie awesome. about my life story in the works. And as of two months ago, we decided we're going to move ahead. And it's something where I'm going to be a part of. Great. I'm going to have decision-making and I'm not selling the rights to my life story. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. That's exciting. Thank That's super it. exciting. Very cool. Oh, and one more big thing. Yeah. Very important. So now it's Black History Month. Yes. And um, MSG Network, which is Madison Square Garden, they just put out my story for Black History Month. And that for me is is really... I think it's it's really important because like like I said, I'm this kid that came from the projects and now I'm being honored with a story for Black History Month by one of the biggest networks, MSG Networks. So that's really cool. And I think that's so important and it can inspire other kids who grew up the way I did. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, no, that's awesome. That is so awesome. We probably need to have Black History Months or <laughs> here. Like people just don't realize. So that's awesome. Kudos. Well, Wally, we're about to shift the energy. We're at the Fast Five, so we're going to shift to a little lighter topical questions. The Fast Five is brought to you by Survey Junkie. Making a difference pays in more ways than one. Survey Junkie opens the window of communication between you and the brands you love. 
take surveys, get paid. All right, Wally, we're just going to have some fun here. How much do you spend yearly on your awesome hairstyles? <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> Fast, uh, you figure, okay, usually <laughs> do it about every three months. It costs me about $55 plus to get there. So about $100, three, six, nine, 12, is that? Maybe about six, $700 a year. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. I was thinking you were going to go into the thousands a month. I thought oh, it was no, going to be like 15000 a year. That's crazy. No, 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 no. I, the person that does my hair, I've been with them for a very long time, for like seven years. So. Oh, that's cool. What's the most expensive piece of ping pong equipment you own? Oh, probably my racket. Uh, probably, okay. yeah, because I don't, I don't own it. Well, when you say own, me personally or in my club? Your club, you, like, even if your club paid for it? Right. We used to have a $2,000 case. Okay. But it was a collaboration with, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the company. It was a collaboration with one of these fancy companies. Yeah. But that was the most expensive ping pong thing. Okay. And is it something you would splurge on again? No. Okay. (laughs) What is one thing you regularly splurge on? Ooh, regularly splurge on. Wow, that's a tough one. All right. Oh, man, I'm not really... Wow, I can't even think about that. Something I regularly... I want to say good food. Okay. I love really good sushi. Like, I love good food. Like, good food makes me happy, actually. Yeah, I hear you. So, good food. I love it too much. I love it too much. (laughs) You travel a lot. So what's your travel necessity? What do you need to travel with no matter what? Oh, one thing I need is my little mini paddle and my old iPhone 6s. Okay. Because the mini paddle, I'm going to play players who are like really good. And the old iPhone 6s, I'm going to beat everyone else with. That's a must. That's one thing that has to be in my bag is my mini paddle and my two old iPhone 6s for playing ping pong. I wonder if Apple had ping pong in mind when they made the i6. Oh, listen, listen. I, uh, Apple, are you listening to this? Let's go. <laughs> now you're going to get more health pings, like for steps, how many hits you get in. Yeah, That's, right. Uh, yeah. Who's the most inspiring person you ever met? Oh, ever met? Wow, there's a lot. I think, man, including celebrities too, right? Including celebrities, anybody. I, you know what? I'm going to go with my friend, James Altucher. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Not because he's my friend and I know him for a long time, but he's the kind of guy that you would think would fail. And he's the kind of guy who has yeah. failed hundreds of times. Like he's made shit tons of money, lost all of it, made shit tons of money, lost all of it. And a guy like that just shows perseverance of keep going, keep, keep going. You know, you made all this money. Okay, you lost it. Let's go again. And he's definitely very inspiring because he doesn't look like the guy who is winning, right? He he doesn't have that persona of the guy who is winning. Yeah. Through failures, he wins a lot. So that, he inspires me a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're at the M&M moment, our sweet spot, money and motivation. I'm wondering if you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom you can share with the listeners. Oh, practical financial tip. <laughs> you know, this always comes to my head and it, it sounds bad, but it's the truth. It's the truth. So always use other people's money to make money. <laughs> Never use your own. It sounds I so love bad, it. but, but it's... For those who don't know, it's not really as bad as it sounds. It just sounds really <laughs> bad. 
But seriously, no, I'm, I'm serious. It's the biggest tip that I could give. It's just a smart way to do things, you know? As long as you have something that's going to do well, like with our business, none of us had money. None of us. Right. Who had money? No, I had zero money. My partners had zero money. Nobody had money. But we got investors. We came up with something that people loved, that people thought was going to do really well. And we got investors. And that's where the money came from. So use other that's people's awesome. money to make money. Use <laughs> other people's money. Legally. There's lots of banks and legally, investors. Yeah. And, yeah all that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good tip. That's a good tip. Well, Wally, man, I tell you, you know, the thing I love about this whole conversation, the whole thing, knowing about your stepdad, knowing about all these different things and all the obstacles, everything you've done, uh, there's a bit of happiness in there. There's a bit of peace that's there. There's not this blame and then this happened and then I'm going to get everybody. Like, I just hear this willingness to keep letting whatever come, come. Like, it's just this resilience, I guess, is what comes to mind is this place where you've had all these, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. It's not possible. And you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Here I am. Let's, woo, that worked out. That's crazy. That worked out. And what's cool. And even talking about your friend who doesn't look like a winner, but is a winner, right? It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter if we do it awkwardly, if we do it quietly, if we just keep showing up, I think that's the key is just to keep showing up. And I just love this attitude that you bring in that's just like, let's go out and inspire, not let's go back and pay back and all that kind of stuff. And I just, I really appreciate that because I think in this world, we need a lot more people just being a lot more resilient that are willing to be kind and going out there trying to help other people make it a better place. So I so appreciate you sharing everything today. I do think you are definitely an inspiration for a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you as well. Where can people find you online, social media? Movies are going to come out soon, but yeah, yeah, where can people find you? Best place to find me is actually on Instagram. So that's Wally Green NYC. And that's like more of my serious side, although I try once in a while to change it up, make it crazy. But uh, also on TikTok. So you want to see some crazy stuff? My crazy stuff is on TikTok. So that's Wally Green NYC official. Awesome. Awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes and yeah, check out his moves, man. <laughs> check out his crazy moves. I played him and I will admit I did not win. <laughs> I don't even know if I returned the ball. <laughs> I did take one loss though in PodFest. Did you? Yeah. I played over, I don't know, maybe 400 people. I don't remember how many. I played so many people every day and I took one loss of a lady who made me play blindfolded. Oh, and I thought, and I still thought I was going to win because I knew she couldn't reach my serve, but I couldn't tell where the table was. And yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. That's hilarious. I love that you still had the belief that you were going to. Yeah, I, I, I really wanted to win. I was really upset that I didn't win blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> I got pissed I off, love man. that. Oh, man, man. Well, thank you so much. This has just been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn something new about your relationship to money today? Maybe you have a friend who has some financial blocks or beliefs that are holding them back. Please share this podcast so they too can get off the roller coaster ride of financial fears and journey towards financial freedom. To learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. 
We'll be back next week with another perspective on money and the emotions that bind us. Ba-da-ba-da-ba.